Toronto FC, a team with a new direction after an off-season makeover. It's an all-Canadian affair. Matt working against Morgan. Puts it across the Solitudes Podcast, the victorious Two Solitudes Podcast for the first time in the existence of this show. Something major happened last night, Kevin, and what do you think that was? Did our country win a game of football? No, well, yeah, actually did. I was there 694 days after the last time Canada was victorious, a 3-0 victory that day against Cuba, the last game in World Cup qualifying that I remember or choose to remember. Uh, and then last night, 3-1 over Jamaica, 694 days later, that was almost two full calendar years, uh, it was October 12th, 2012 was the, uh, the last win, so, um, exciting times, Kevin, uh, I don't know where to start, really, I mean, it was a... How was the feeling in the stands? How, did you, did you feel a, a sigh of relief at the end of that game? Yeah, absolutely. It was kind of fun to win a game. Uh, obviously, that's why people are sports fans, is they want to see their their team do well, and it's been a long time. And uh, I'll tell you what, it wasn't the biggest crowd out there, especially on the sides and the more expensive seats. Uh, they didn't sell all that well. Uh, but Or, the, you know, for that matter, the, the sort of supporter section wasn't packed full, but it was full from what except for the top four or five rows all the way down to the, the bottom of 112 and 113 and most of 114 as well. Uh, they were engaged and they were excited and they were there in full voice. And um, those people were the people, are the people that care the most about this program and have chosen to care about this program when no one else in this country seemingly does. So it absolutely was a feeling of victory. And a lot of them are Torontonians too, they're tipsy fans. So if you can imagine, there's been a lot of pent-up frustration there. But we're not going to talk about Toronto in this. It's just that was part of the factor of the feeling at the end. It must have been great, though, the actual uh, to have something to cheer for, something to celebrate, something to have fun, and to have fun in the Canada game, which was a long time coming. Yeah, no, I mean, again, as we've said many, many times in the show, there was there was a couple decent results at home in the 2012 uh, campaign there, but uh, including the three 0 at the end, where they they were showing footage of that. I was watching it last night, where the players all came over, and there was a massive packed supporter section. It was a it was a good time that night, but two years ago, and there's a lot has happened in between. And uh, this is the first home game since that day. Uh, so we're you know undefeated at home in our two game winning streak at home for the Canadian national team program. There's a statement. They're also undefeated in 2014. Uh, so so there you go. And that uh, doesn't happen really often, all right? What two games? 
Yeah, they haven't played a lot, but, but we'll, we'll go with it anyway. And they're only going to play one more game this year, and that's the that's what happens when a team falls out of the radar and when the CSA is spending a lot of money on uh, pushing the uh, the women around the, the country, as they should before World Cup. We're not complaining about that, but uh, it's why the, the program has been somewhat dormant in the last year with the World Cup coming up. So we won against Jamaica. Wow. Yeah, and it was not Jamaica's best team, but it wasn't exactly Canada's best team. There were players missing there, too, and that's that's always going to be the case in international football. Um, Cam, Jamaica got the first goal. It was kind of against the runner play. I remember remarking that it was too bad. Like, and we had about 30 seconds to remark on it because Canada scored right back, and we'll touch on that in a minute. But I remember remarking at the time with people I was with that you know, it was unfortunate because it was against the runner play, and it, it uh, I was... I could if it was Toronto again, uh, the whole town crowd would have turned and it would have got really negative really quick at that point. But uh, for some reason, for whatever reason, and again, I think it has to do with just the state of mind of the people that choose to still go watch the Canadian men's national team. The reaction in the stands was one of okay, we need to pump up the noise even more. And immediately, you can hear on the highlights or broadcast if you take it, the the Canada a chant goes right away and it's booming through that stadium and. Went right straight down, forced the corner, off the corner to David Edgar with one of the most stunningly beautiful goals I don't think I've ever seen a Canadian uh, score. Uh, it was a, a volley, a half volley from about 22 yards uh, as a set play free kick and uh, off the corner. So like it was a design play for sure, and that was a, a remarkable goal to see. And it was, you know, I wouldn't say it's all Canada. Certainly Jamaica had their chances, but I think the, the result was fair in the end. Absolutely, and the goal that struck my imagination was a De Jong goal. I'm a sucker for free kick, and that goal was just beautiful. Beautiful free kick. All right, the goalkeeper was not the best, not the best reaction, especially. Did not even flinch, and the ball was on the short side of the goalkeeper. But still, it was a free kick goal. You don't see that too often in North America, especially in Canada with the impact and with the Canadian national team. So it was great to see De Jong do that goal. Yeah, and although Marcel Young isn't playing very much, he is at one of the Canadian players playing at a fairly high level or on a fairly high level team is in the Bundesliga. So uh, you can imagine there's a little skill there. Um, absolutely. With in terms of the Jamaica goalie, he didn't have the best game last night. Uh, certainly, and we'll talk about that when we talk about yeah. third goal. But uh, <laughs> that one caught him flat-footed, and you got to blame the wall a little bit, uh I think, because it got over top of them, and he just sat there and watched it go in the corner. But um, yeah, that's the funny thing about that goal, Kevin, is that uh, I don't even really pay that attention, that much attention to free kicks from there for Canada, because they just never score them. So they don't pay attention. <laughs> it's like, eh, they never score this. Hopefully they get a corner right You check your watch. You're like, you just look at the crowd. Oh, damn it. I missed it. Yeah, no, I saw the that's goal. The way it was, that's the way we do it in Montreal, too. <laughs> All right, well, time to get a beer. <laughs> Going into the crowd anyway. <laughs> but no, this one went into the net, which is where it's supposed to go. So who knew? Who knew we could do that? Um, no, good times there. Uh, you know, and we'll talk about the third goal real quick. I think that the, obviously it was a goaltender error. Uh, dropped it right into Joseph Rickens and just tapped it in. He got the easiest goal of his life. I might have been able to score that one from the position he got the ball in. But, uh, you know, he got the ball between the keeper and the net. Yeah, he did. With, with no defenders coming in one year, I'm like, oh, there you go. <laughs> hey, thank you. <laughs> I put in 3-1. I mean, when that went in, it was the whole crowd was like, oh, my God, we're going to win. He's like, the, real, the realization of, we're, we're going to win a game. Really? Win a soccer game. It's incredible. Um, and also, it was fun. And uh, look, in the grand scheme of things, does this mean Canada's turned the corner? Well, God, no. But <laughs> it does mean that we're better than people thought, I think. And I think that's an important distinction, that this team... 
uh, had a lot of growing pains over the last year, that two-year losing streak. But you got to look at those rosters and, and look at some of the names on them. There, there is probably a good handful of names that have been capped over the last year that will never, ever get another cap. They were just young guys that he needed to look at to make sure that he'd seen everyone in the player pool, everyone with the exception of Junior Roulette, but we won't talk about him. Um, it... This was as close to a full-strength squad as they've had in a while, playing a CONCACAF nation, and they did what they're supposed to do at home. Um, yes, Maddox was missing for Jamaica. Yes, they, they played a couple 20-year-olds out there as well. But, you know, this is the this is a team in Jamaica that missed the, the Hex, too. So they're rebuilding as well, and they're going to have a different, similar kind of lineup. And they haven't had the same type of losing candidates had over the past couple of years, but they lost last night. And um, good result there. I'll be more... I think it would be more telling in terms of what, what Floro has done over the last year and what he did with the um, the camp this time in the November friendly against Panama. And that one uh, is key for a lot of reasons. To go down into Central America uh, to play in, in a game that no one talks about that game very much, but it was almost as bad as the game in Honduras in terms of how little fight Canada showed that night. Uh, so it will be a, you know won't be the same intense. Uh, atmosphere that they have there, and I doubt there will be a party outside the hotel all night. <laughs> Although, if I were the Canadian staff, I might hear, if anyone from the CSA is listening, why don't you, you have a rave outside the uh, the hotel just to prepare them for what it's going to be like in World Cup qualifying, and I'm being half serious. And we should do it in, we should do it in Canada to prepare our team to it, too. Yeah, well, we'd be arrested if we didn't <laughs> that. But, however, I, I'm, I'm not even, I'm, again, I'm being half serious. They need to prepare for the environment they're going to get in the World Cup. I, I might, like, call them all in the middle of the night or something to disturb their sleep. Like, it sounds ridiculous, but that's what they're going to have to get used to dealing with. And the fact that they let it rattle them so much uh, in World Cup qualifying is really disturbing. And until they can figure that out, until they can, like, if you watch the U.S., and we all, a lot of us here anyway, watch the U.S. quite a bit, uh, the U.S. has figured that out in the past few years. They, if you look back at their history before, like you go back even in the 90s and the early 2000s, they, they struggled on the road in CONCACAF just in the same way Canada did. They got the same kind of crap treatment. They got the same kind of crap refereeing that Canada gets. But they, And at that time, they used to fold a lot under it. But what they've done in the past decade is they figured out how to grind out results down there, how to get 1-0 wins against them, walk off to beers being thrown at them with a chance of go-home gringo. You know, like that's, that's something they figured out how to do. Canada hasn't figured out how to do it. Now, of course, they don't have the same amount of talent, but, however, that's they still need to figure out maybe they're not going to get the one no wins, and maybe they can get the odd draw down there, and that might get them into that final round of qualifying. Uh, you, you spoke a little bit about Floro. How did tactically the team look last night? They were very possession-oriented. They wanted to build from the back. It was very Spanish in style, as you might imagine, the Spanish uh, manager. Um, and I rewatched the broadcast this morning, and the commentators were talking a lot about how good they looked on possession and how different that was from past Canada teams. Uh, Canada was a traditional North American boot-and-chase kind of team for years when they were most successful, so it's a bit startling. And, and they were controlling possession. The first half possession numbers were something like 70-30 for Canada, and that's just something you never see. Uh, so certainly, um, Floro did a lot of great work there. And they talked about, the other thing they talked about, on the broadcast was uh, how important the camp was and how much they worked on set pieces. Uh, they were working on corners a lot uh, in that camp. They were working a lot on just uh, interplay possession kind of stuff. So the Floral really made full use of the camp. And we sometimes we overfocus in the friendlies and we don't realize how important just having these guys together uh, for an extended period of time is. And we're going to see it. Uh, you know, November they'll have some time together during that break. 
uh, they'll get them together uh, for the, the traditional North American January camp, and then hopefully next year they can, uh, well, they're going to have to because they got a gold cup in the summer. So he's going to have a lot of time with them. He's going to have time to put his stamp on them. And, you know, this was his coming out party, I think, in a lot of ways. So a lot of people questioned whether it was just a half-senile old man that they hired, you know, with Real Madrid on the resume and not much more. But, I mean, how many coaches come to Canada that have Real Madrid on the resume, even if it was only for a short time? Do you think Flores might have found a flaw in CONCACAF teams with all the free kicks? Because you see, you talk about a lot of practice in the camp, and it might be uh, a way for Canada to grind out points with the lackluster of talent and free kick in the whole uh, uh, region. Could be. Uh, they talked a lot on the broadcast, too, about the amount of video work that they did uh, in the camp. So that, that could have been part of that. And certainly if you look at Canada physically, they do have an advantage over a lot of the, the Latin teams that they play in terms of size. So it stands to reason that they should work hard on making sure that they can create problems and havoc in the box with those free kicks in with getting the big bodies forward. Um, it's a very simplistic kind of way to play the game, but, you know, what it works sometimes. So because yeah, the, the image I have in my head is the old coach coming into a new region taking time to establish his knowledge and get to know the other teams and then trying to figure out a way to beat them. That's what it looks like from the outside right now. With, uh, with I, To be honest, when I watched the game last night, I was impressed with the whole different outlook that the team had. Yeah, it, they, they, that's, I think, the most important uh, takeaway from this is that there's no prima donnas out there anymore, <laughs> from what I can tell. There was always a time in the past where, where some people were representing Canada because they really didn't have any other choice and they just kind of felt obligated to and they weren't too excited by it. But you could tell by the reaction on the goals and, and the way that they interacted with the supporters at the end and so on and so forth that these are a group of guys that are enjoying playing together and enjoy coming over here now. And I think that that's, that's a real big thing. And it could also speak to the CSA uh, making improvements, needed improvements in some of the way that they treat them in terms of the DMs, the in terms of their, um, you know, flights, whether they're in business class or coach or whatever, you know, they used to just kind of fly them over on the floor, fly them over on the floor. They kind of just fly them over cheaply, and maybe they're spending a little bit more money on stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that makes a difference when you're talking about professional guys coming over from Europe. So, you know, you got a guy like Atiba Hutchison who played in the Champions League qualifier against Arsenal. Uh, you can't really just, you know, put them on a two-seater plane or something to get them over here, right? you got to get to spend a little bit of money to make sure that these guys are getting the treatment they're used to. And there's a new Two Solitudes bump in play. When you get, when you talk on their show, the next time you play for Canada, you score a goal. Absolutely. There, yeah, Two Solitudes. Well, uh, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll mention that to the CSA uh, communication staff, that, uh, that every player we've ever had on has scored a goal in this next Canada match, so I will get more main players on. Maybe we can uh, get a daily sort of show during the World Cup for women next year. Um, exactly. A couple quick notes. Uh, we'll probably tag a little um, the sound from David Edgar onto this uh, podcast. That's courtesy of the CSA. Uh, women's World Cup tickets, uh, the, the pa- passport packages go on sale today as well. So uh, you might want to have a look at that and see what the prices are and, and whether you can get in there. They're going pretty fast. There was a pre-sale in Winnipeg and they, they got gobbled up. So um, if you're interested in getting a pass for the whole whole turn in one state we'll grab them quick but until that time Kevin I think we just want to do a quick show today to celebrate a victory championne or well, at least victory, victory for us or whatever but so uh, we'll allez be- le rouge allez le rouge there you go alright we'll say goodbye talk to you soon have a good soccer David Edgar post game
The main thing is the team performance and um, what we've achieved and, and coming together from uh, coming from a goal behind. So it shows great character and, and great belief in what we're doing here. And talk about what you're doing here and the changes that is trying to implement ahead of the Gold Cup. Yeah, I mean, it takes time. Any any new manager comes in with his own philosophies and uh, own uh, strategies, and we need to we need to adapt. And it's, it's taken time, but, I mean, we did a lot of the stuff we've been working on behind closed doors, um, set pieces, I mean, two set pieces today. And, uh, and, and a goal from open place, which is which is fantastic for us, and uh, we're we're building something special, I think, here, and uh, that's that's what the, we need to stay patient, but we're doing well. Do the rankings make it a give you guys that extra bit of a challenge to know that hey, that where you guys are, the standing points and rankings represent uh, what this team is possibly capable of? Well, I don't really look at the rankings to be honest it doesn't it doesn't mean anything i mean if you if you if you put our performances from the past couple of games together and uh we're, we're a much ranked team much higher ranked team um it's but that's how it works and we need to get those points and and uh, three points today helps us uh, move up the rankings and that's key you go on and on in, in the video sessions and all that about tactics and you get two offset pieces is it just uh reassuring to see these coming off the training ground yeah, I mean, you, you've seen them, you've seen us working on them, and uh, it's it's a major part of, of the manager's philosophy. He's big on uh, big on set pieces, uh, and I mean, it, the first ones worked today, and, and another another great free kick by Marcel. So, it's uh, it's working the, the the training, and we're uh, we're happy with the outcome. Patrice Bernier earlier this week talking about the difference that he sees in a Benito Floro training camp. Ah, it's different. Of course, uh, it's a new coach. Uh, it's a lot of younger faces. And a uh, new structure, a new, uh, new way of uh, training. So coming back after two years, it's kind of been like a new beginning, if you can say, and because uh, uh, everything is a bit new, new structure, new personnel of staff. And uh, just learning what uh, the coach is trying to implement uh, on the structure of this team uh, to play from now on and in the future. Uh, I expect a lot of uh, repeats, uh, a lot of other stuff that we're probably not accustomed to. Uh, coaching, uh, coach repeating a lot of stuff that uh, we, we maybe have learned and were, is different. And also uh, longer, I guess, meetings and videos before training where we dissect exactly where we're going to go and train, which sometimes it's not, uh, it's, it doesn't happen often at uh, professional clubs or in the past where you actually. Uh, Spend time on what you're going to train and then go out and do it. No, actually, we haven't really talked at all. It's just I'm trying to just soak in the, the his way of training and the, the mentality of uh, the philosophy of what he wants in terms of the play, the structure. And then maybe as we get closer to the Jamaica game, maybe we'll be able to talk about what's, uh, the role for the game or for in the future. Uh, first thing is possibility of getting 50 at cap. I know the list is not that long for Canada in terms of uh, players that have uh, reached uh, 50 caps and, uh, and over, so it was to reach that milestone and say uh, that according uh, now we're playing a lot more games, but before in the past it wasn't the case. So that's the first thought I went through is to be able to to, to hopefully to get it and, uh, and to be in part of that club. I think it was 22 or 23 players that had it, and, uh, and then after that it's also back in the mix, just seeing some of the guys that you've seen before and see what the vibe is now with the, with this new coach. I think uh, it's been what two years since actually maybe a, a win, so and finding goal-scoring boots. But uh, we're playing at home. Uh, it's a Concacaf uh, rival, also even though it's just a friendly, and uh, we want to be able to 
put where the structure that's been put in the last two years and to now get results because uh, results give you the, the, the positive and the, the mind for it to keep pushing and to seeing that it's actually working. And the, uh, so, yeah, I think we're looking forward to go out there and uh, get a, a solid performance, but a victory also to, to, to show that everything that's been put in the last two years is coming of age. Thanks for listening to the Two Solitude Soccer Podcast on Stitcher Radio with Dwayne Rollins and Kevin Laramie. Subscribe to the show on Stitcher Radio. Listen to the show on Stitcher Radio. Stitcher Radio, Stitcher Radio. Would you just please subscribe to the show on Stitcher Radio? Thank you very much for subscribing to the show. And now, back to the show on Stitcher Radio. Coming soon on Stitcher Radio. And yes, the wait is finally over. Teespring.com slash Two Solitudes Podcast. You can get the official Unattached FC shirt. Yes, you can finally represent the most consistent feeder club of the Canadian men's national team history. You can finally walk around the street and be able to walk around with pride for the one of the most famous club in Canadian history. Yes, the wait is over. Teespring.com slash Two Solitudes Podcast. $25 well invested in the future of Canadian broadcasting in the world of soccer. While supplies last, shipping not included.